Welcome to the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast. This podcast is sponsored by my supporters on Patreon and by B Books, publisher of A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, which is now available in print, ebook, and audiobook. B Books also publishes climate smart romance novels by Tara L. Roy. Learn more at bbooks.org. You'll also get free climate smart downloads, including tips for weathering drought and flood, and the Farm Emergency Preparedness Plan. When you subscribe to BeeBooks newsletter, sign up at beebooks.org, beebooks.org. I'm your host, author and multimedia artist, Rebecca L. Fraser, and I'm excited to share this episode of the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast with you. So let's dig into it. Part 8. Crops. What Horticulturalists Know. It is neither possible nor desirable to include a report for every crop that is being researched with regard to climate disruption. As Andrew Patterson, head of the Plant Genome Mapping Laboratory at University of Georgia pointed out, even subtle differences in climate can determine the ability to realize high productivity of a particular crop on a consistent basis. That fact is evident from the impact of year-to-year fluctuations on the productivity and quality of many crops. The majority of U.S. government-funded research into crop response to climate disruption is focused on quote-unquote world feeders like pulses, grains, and legumes. How most horticultural crops like fruits, nuts, and vegetables will respond to climate disruption remains to be seen. Samuel Sandoval Solis of UC Davis said, Climate change will affect every region of the world and every crop differently. This is a multidimensional problem. Chapter 18 Preparing Slow Growth Crops for a Changing Climate Pests, pathogens, and irrigation are every grower's challenge. These problems aren't directly caused by climate disruption. However, as climate scientists and ag researchers stated in previous chapters, the erratic and extreme weather caused by climate disruption will increasingly exacerbate agriculture's typical problems. Forecasts suggest pests, pathogens, and availability of clean water for irrigation will test farmers with greater frequency and intensity until climate disruption is reversed. The clock is ticking on our opportunity to reverse climate disruption. Despite this, the pecan industry appears surprisingly unaffected. Bruce Wood, researcher at USDA ARS, explained via an email, To date, severity or negative impact of weather-related stress factors do not appear to significantly differ from the highly variable historical record. Pecan is a highly adaptable species, and tools exist that will likely enable pecan horticulture to adapt should abnormal climate-related stresses materialize. According to Wood, even the rise in atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations benefits pecan by improving key physiological and horticultural traits. Pecan is a native or indigenous species in the United States, 
managed in natural stands as well as in planted orchards across the southern tier of states. Huge variations in soil and climatic conditions, as well as numerous co-evolved insects and diseases, necessitate careful management that differs between geographic regions. In comparison, commercial production of other tree nut crops in the United States is concentrated in a relatively small geographic area with much less variability in abiotic and biotic conditions. Walnuts and almonds are non-native species that came from and thrive in Mediterranean climates. In the U.S., California's Central Valley provides that climate and hosts 1 million acres of almonds and 360,000 acres of walnuts. But is California's Mediterranean climate becoming more desertous? With the state's recent drought, almond and walnut growers have been challenged with irrigation and air quality issues. Researchers are exploring the viability of Arizona, Idaho, and Nevada for commercial almond growing. Walnut growers are challenged by bacterial blight, which climate disruption may exacerbate or mitigate depending on how it affects spring rain patterns. Finally, global warming raises concerns about insufficient chilling as winter temperatures rise throughout the growing region. Deciduous trees require a certain amount of chilling hours each year in order to leaf out, bloom, and ultimately produce a crop. California's nut-growing regions are experiencing fewer winter days where temperatures fall low enough to meet those chilling requirements. Pecan does have its physical limitations, but according to USDA ARS pecan breeder L.J. Grauk, the greatest risk to the advancement of the industry might be a myopic focus on pecan production through the lens of past practice. He said, the greatest benefit for the pecan industry might be achieved by tree size reduction through both improved rootstocks and scions, which will improve both nut production and tree management. This achievement will likely necessitate incorporation of crop wild relatives in breeding, broad cooperation in the testing leading to selection, and development of improved methods. Creating a database to house information available to a diverse research community will facilitate cooperation. Acquiring funds to pursue development of those tools will require the support of the pecan industry, which Grauke said in the U.S. is regionally fragmented and focused on marketing rather than crop development. Molly Brown, associate research professor at University of Maryland's Department of Geographical Sciences, wondered if current investment in nut research is sufficient and if it will culminate in time to help growers who are planting crops now that won't reach maturity for five or more years. Many crop breeding programs are underfunded, but California's walnut growers have funded UC Davis's walnut research program annually and ensured its stability with a $2.6 million endowment. Growers also help shape the program and test new material. UC Davis walnut breeder Chuck Leslie said, there's a lot of feedback it's not just university research people or even extension people. The growers themselves are pretty heavily involved in the research. It takes 15 or more years to produce a new variety of walnut. 
Walnut trees take four to five years to begin producing a full crop. An established orchard has a lifespan of 20 to 30 years or longer. As global temperatures rise and we see the multitudinous effects of trapped greenhouse gases in the Earth's atmosphere, this means the climate in which a grower plants their nut orchard may be very different from the climate the trees experience when they reach maturity. Brown said, there's been an enormous change in maximum temperatures in the last five years. Do we need to develop new varieties that are tolerant of much higher temperatures? Or maybe we need to migrate these crops to places like Spain and France, which are cooler. There are really only two choices, develop new varieties, which takes a long time, or move the crop. As forecasts for temperature in 2030 and 2050 change, so do growing zones. Increased summer temperatures could affect quality and increase water requirements. These may be bigger problems than loss of chilling. Climate disruption may also impact insect pests. Leslie reported, Husk fly, for example, has been an increasing problem that has been appearing earlier in the season in recent years. We don't know the reason, but temperature changes could be a contributing factor. Yet, based on the research that he and his colleagues are doing, Leslie is confident that California's walnut producers will be fine. They've got some play in terms of what they can get away with in terms of loss of chilling hours. There are lower chill varieties coming along. In future years, maybe we'll be chill deficient. There are probably cultural practices that could mitigate that. Researchers in Chile have worked with spray applications that can mitigate dormancy to some extent. There's probably more work to do on that. I don't think it's going to drive walnut out of the state. While some growers are feeling the effects of ongoing drought through innovation, the almond industry as a whole is thriving in the face of climate disruption. Faced with the drought, the almond industry has continued to improve, said third-generation grower and California Almond board member Kent Stenderup. He continued, Since 1994, we've improved our efficiency 33%. We used 33% less water to grow a pound of almonds through adopting technologies and cultural practices. In fact, the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service Pacific Region reported in May 2020 that the almond crop forecast was up over 17% from the 2019 crop production to an estimated 3 billion pounds. Chapter 19. How California Almonds Are Thriving in the Disrupted Climate Global warming caused by human activity intensified California's multi-year drought. Further, according to a report in the scientific journal Geophysical Research Letters, drying is projected to increase in coming decades And as the Earth's surface temperature continues to rise, natural climate variability will become less able to compensate for the drying effect of global warming. Essentially, even though wet conditions ended the official drought in California in 2019, the state continues to experience widespread drought-like soil moisture conditions and will do so throughout the century. 
This highlights the critical need for agriculture professionals to have a long-term plan for drought resilience. Current predictions are that California will receive roughly the same amount of precipitation in coming years, with less of it as snow. This is not good news, unless policymakers can find a way to adapt California's infrastructure. As snowpack in the mountains melts, it gradually releases water that the current infrastructure captures and redistributes during the dry summers. This accounts for about 30% of California's water. Gabriel Ludwig, plant physiologist and director of sustainability and environmental affairs for the Almond Board of California, had a lot to say about this. If snowpack becomes less reliable, then all Californians, both farmers and non-farmers, will need to adapt and invest in new infrastructure. Additional conservation, new ways of storing water to capture more of the rainfall in the winter for use during the dry season. One way to capture rainfall is to allow it to be stored as groundwater. In 2016, the Almond Board launched a project to assess whether and where almond orchards can be used for groundwater recharge when rivers are running high. The Central Valley could store a lot of water below ground if practical ways can be found to get available water onto ground suitable for recharge, avoid hurting crops that are present, and avoid hurting groundwater quality. Ludwood explained, we are also trying to understand the opportunities to recycle water from multiple sources, such as municipal wastewater. Thomas Gradziel, an almond researcher at UC Davis, said, the current global warming trends will certainly influence and probably change historical weather patterns. This uncertainty dictates the need to maximize environmental adaptability in new cultivars. Historically, and even currently in many regions of the world, almonds have been grown as a dryland crop because of their capacity to produce crops even without irrigation. Almond is thus highly adapted for growth and productivity with minimal water. However, summer irrigation greatly increases yield. Gradziel's greatest concerns about the effects of climate change on the global nut industry are sufficient water quantity and quality for irrigation, and the loss of winter chill hours. Despite these concerns, the almond industry is currently thriving. Almond experts cite innovation as one of the reasons. The almond community has invested more than $60 million since 1972 to build a foundation of research on environmental production and other issues to continually evolve best practices with changing concerns, Ludwig said. Increased extremes in the weather may mean growers will need to invest in new varieties that can withstand a greater range of weather conditions. The Almond Board has a variety of research projects underway to help growers. Breeding Climate-Resilient Almonds Anything that passes muster in the research program needs to be tested in the field, explained Ludwig. Variety trials are done with a grower who is willing to work for many years with a very complicated orchard setup and with researchers from USDARS or UC Davis. It can sometimes take more than 10 years in the field for weaknesses and benefits in a new variety to show up. Thus, breeding takes a very long time in perennial cropping systems, 
even with marker assistance that shows researchers which genes are responsible for various traits. One of the Almond Board's many collaborators, Gradziel uses traditional breeding methods to develop rootstocks and scions with traits designed to allow more dependable cropping under variable climates. He's also looking to improve water use efficiency and lower the need for agrochemical inputs. Although almonds need fewer chilling hours than other deciduous fruit and nut trees, and will therefore likely be affected more slowly by the decrease in chilling hours, winter chill is required to achieve good flower density and fruit set. Gradseal anticipates the loss of needed winter chill will affect orchard productivity in coming decades. As climate disruption causes more intense weather extremes, increased pest and disease pressure, and limited availability of water, Gradziel expects non-Perel clones with low bud failure potential will be most successful for growers. He said, Non-Perel remains the cultivar to improve on. It originated in the 1860s in California as a dryland variety and has since shown exceptional adaptability and productivity across a range of environments and cultural management styles. UC Davis recently released the Kester variety, which exhibits many of Nonpareil's qualities of adaptability and productivity, is fully cross-compatible with Nonpareil, and is less vulnerable to frost damage. While the California almond industry has become more efficient, researchers are preparing for the possibility that the crop may need to move to Idaho, Nevada, or elsewhere in the United States. Gradziel said, In the long term, I expect Kester would outperform many current cultivars in these regions since frost will be more important and Kester has improved resistance slash avoidance to frost damage. Moving forward in the disrupted climate. To be resilient in the face of climate change, farmers across California will need to overcome and adapt to its challenges. Continued investment in research will fuel the next round of innovation to ensure California's farmers can continue to grow healthy, nutritious food while improving water efficiency. While more work is needed to adapt water infrastructure for a future with less snowpack and drier soil, Ludwig said farmers can do their part to increase water use efficiency. She said, 83% of almond farmers schedule irrigation based on tree need and or soil weather conditions instead of watering on a predetermined schedule. In addition, almond farmers in particular have adopted efficient micro-irrigation systems at almost two times the rate of farmers statewide. As a result of efforts like these, Almond farmers have reduced the amount of water needed to grow a pound of almonds by 33% since 1994. The challenges almond growers see are the same or similar for other California producers. For example, other crops that require significant chilling hours may not grow in California in coming decades. The lesson for growers everywhere is clear. Learn about the anticipated results of climate disruption in your area and assess how those forecasts mesh with the needs of your current crops. If necessary, be open to growing new crops or moving your operation. 
You can learn more about how scientists are breeding crops for the new climate in Chapter 20 of A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, which you can find on Audible, Libro FM, iTunes, and many other retailers of audiobooks. The ebook is available for Kindle, Nook, iBook, and more. Search for it by title, A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption. And tune in next time when we'll talk about pollination challenges and strategies. Thanks for listening to the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like my book, A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, now available in ebook, print, and audiobook. To support this podcast and my other creative endeavors for as little as $1 a month, please visit patreon.com forward slash Rebecca L. Fraser. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.